It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 The Yakuza Kick Radio. This is the of Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and babies, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night, this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn. You have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you got me. Now look at that guy. You only fuck that. Black D. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It is Wednesday, September 9th, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jay Cat Morris. I got a bunch of stuff to talk about tonight. I got to review the Nick Gage Invitational that I went to over the weekend. I got a big Spartan race coming up this coming weekend. I got to preview the um, CZW show coming up this weekend. A whole bunch of different things. A couple things to rant about and everything else, but... One big thing coming up this weekend is we are back. We are back to NFL football, finally, starting tomorrow. So who better to bring on the show? Let's give a whole rundown of the league. 
Let's go into what everyone's looking like. Let's go into, you know, first week's picks, the whole nine right across the board from the Daily Blitz. My man, Christensen. What's going on, What's man? What's going on? How much, man? Doing the thing, man. Hey, I hear that. It's good to be back. It's been a while since I've been on, J-Cat. Absolutely, man. It's been too long. Football season it's is It's been uh, too long, yeah, sure but thing. you know what? I take that too long. We could throw that in the garbage now. We're back. Absolutely. Yeah, man. So, uh, just uh, actually, before we get into the football, I, I don't know if you heard this, man, but I, I had heard Kanye West learned how to communicate with sheep. I, I don't know if you heard that. I'm going to just play this for you real quick. Bro, 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 you know, a lot of teams got a big changes going on. As a Niner fan, I'm definitely, uh, you know, on the side of uh, big, big changes. I'll give, right. We'll give, like, little quick predictions on what we think people's records are going to be and, you know, any anything that stands out on these teams. Um, start off with the uh, AFC East. We got the Buffalo Bills. What do you see in them? I mean, they have the talent to do some good things there. They have a new head coach, a guy who's not going too far, a guy who knows that division all too well. I think he wanted to stay in that division to get back at the team that fired him in the New York Jets, and that's Rex Ryan. They trade for LaShawn McCoy, which I didn't see coming. Have a nice weapon in Sammy Watkins. Uh, good weapons, good quarterback. These, I mean, it's a question mark right now at quarterback. And defensively, I think they could be one of the best units in all of football. they got a solid pass rush. they got a good linebacking core and a pretty good secondary. They can make it happen as well. But I just they have too many questions at quarterback, and that's what's keeping them from really being that big threat to the New England Patriots. I see them winning maybe six games, J-Cat. Okay. Okay. Um, I think the Buffalo Bills are really tough on defense. And I think that's going to be a big key to their team. I, I think you're right as far as the quarterback, big question marks. But, you know, they do say defense wins championships. So, I got to think a little bit higher for them. I'm going to give them a 9-7. and seven. Okay. Okay. You know, I know a lot of people are high on them. But just the questions at quarterback, you know, that's the most important position. And I think they can be tough. They always seem to play New England the toughest out of a lot of teams in that division. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so then you got, you know, the Miami Dolphins, who's a team that, you know, they were somewhat on the uprise, and, uh, you know, they've they've looked uh, like they're heading in the right direction. A lot of people question Tannehill on and off, but they seem to play at least uh, competitive football year to year. I don't know if they've taken that next step in the off season, but um, what do you what do you see out of them? Well, I think this is the biggest threat to the New England Patriots in a the division. They have no okay. issues at the quarterback position. Ryan Tannehill slowly but surely been climbing that ladder each and every year since he's been drafted into the league. And he's not a guy that's going to really spark it up and light the scoreboard up and stuff the sheets with his stats and anything like that. They're just asking him to control the clock, lots of short passes, and take care of the football. And now he has a pretty good defense that can make things for him. And he has two young weapons on the outside, and Devontae Parker, who I think is going to be a stud 
at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Saw him in Louisville. You know, I analyzed college football as well. Saw him at Louisville. Good hands. Can stretch the field. Good red zone threat. Then you have Jarvis Landry, the kid that they drafted last year from LSU. So I think these two, they're going to be a tandem to watch. Obviously on defense, you got Ndamukong Sue, and look, I don't care what anybody says, Ndamukong Sue is one of the best defensive players in all of football. He's one of the best defensive linemen in all of football. You have Cameron Wake, you have Brent Grimes, who's emerging into an elite cornerback at that level. I think this Dolphins team can go 9-7, and seven, so I have them finishing, which you have the Buffalo Bills finishing with J.K. I just think uh, they're the biggest threat. They always play New England tough, just like Buffalo, and out of Three remaining teams in the AFC outside of New England. Miami's the second team in that division without quarterback issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're definitely right in the quarterback. Tannehill is definitely um, very, very good. Um, I, I don't know. Something always getting gets in Miami's way. I'm going to give them eight and eight. I mean, I could be very well wrong, and they could make that push, but something just seems to get in their way. They, they tend to, if they're going to beat New England, they beat them one out of two. They beat the Jets one out of two. It seems like they split games with a lot of, you know, teams, especially in the division. So um, I'm just going to go eight and eight. But like I said, they, they could be very well better, as you say. Um, right, right. So, time, you know, yeah. I, I think they're, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch, especially on defense. Sure. Um, next up is the Jets now. You know, I've heard uh, you've been on other shows that they've uh, – <laughs> some yep. people have the Jets winning out outright. Big Nick has uh, the, the Jets' number one seed in the AFC. I think that's absolutely crazy. I think as far as the Jets go, um, uh, there, there's big problems on that team. When you have, uh, you know, a backup linebacker break your quarterback jaw and, and – there's not bigger news of a riot scene coming out of your locker room. There's there's big problems as far as support goes on that team. Um, you yeah, know, and that just goes to show you Gino. there's a lack of discipline. And then again, yeah. Todd Bowles said it best. Nobody just gets hit for any reason. And obviously Geno Smith got hit. But when I look at them from a football standpoint, this team kind of reminds me of that 09 team, that year when Rex was there and he declared that Darrell Revis was going to be the best cornerback in football, and he still is to this day. You know, they have a good running attack. They can run the ball defensively. Without Leonard Williams now, I don't know what to expect from their defense. I mean, Revis and Cromarty are back. They have a good linebacking core, but they have issues at quarterback, just like the Buffalo Bills. I think this team wins six games as well. All right. I'm gonna give them five. Uh, I just don't, wow! I oh, you're going confidence. lower than me. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any confidence in the Jets. The Jets, what they like <laughs> to do is they'll give a little bit of a, a hope to their fans in the early season, and then they just crumble by the end of every single season. The Jets fans are hiding their head every season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, <laughs> I look at the I look at the New York Jets and defensively, they're going to win games on their own. I mean, Darrell Revis is going to make everybody around them better. I'm surprised he even went back. Thought he'd be playing in New England this year after winning his first Super Bowl, but he decided to go back home. New England didn't pay him. I thought they were going to, but, you know, it all worked out for everybody in the end. Yeah, the problem is, though, no matter how good a team is defensively, if your offense can't stay on the field, your defense can be worn out by the second half, and they're going to have to show that they could, you know, stay on the field and actually make things happen. Or, you know, that's the end of that defense. Right. Definitely. I agree. 
But um, the New England Patriots, now obviously, you know, tons have gone on with them as far as deflate this and that and all of this nonsense. But um, they are the, the defending Super Bowl champions. And um, mm-hmm. I think they come out of this, this offseason with a big chip on their shoulder. I, you know, I think they, um, they're, they're not going to lose much of a step from what they were doing. I, I can't imagine. I'm giving them an 11 and five season. Um, I, I think they're going to be hard to beat out of the gate, especially with you know Brady now in the game when everybody had them had him already on a short vacation. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with you on them playing with a chip on their shoulder. It seems like they always do that, especially Tom Brady. He's been in the league almost 15 years now, and he still feels mm-hmm. he has a lot to prove, even though he's won four Super Bowls and accomplished everything that a lot of quarterbacks haven't accomplished in the NFL, J-Cat. But I just I look at their offense. This, this offense is going to score. When Rob Gronkowski's on the field, he, he's their best player not wearing the number 12. He's Tom Brady's go-to guy for a reason. He causes mismatches. Uh, across the board. Edelman is a good threat for Tom Brady down the field and over the middle. I'm just concerned about the Patriots' defense because they lost three key pieces to a championship defense from last year. You lose Will Fork, you lose Brandon Browner, you lose Darrell Revis. But I think Bill Belichick is going to work with what he has, and he always seems to. I like New England to win 12 games. I think they go 12-4. and Wouldn't be surprised if they did go 11-5, and but I think 12-4 and is a good, uh, good prediction for them. Yeah, I hear you. Um, go to the south. Uh, Tennessee, you know, obviously new, fresh-looking Tennessee team. Um, we got, um, you know, Mariota right there at quarterback. They got some wide receiver targets, including um, DGB coming out of college as well. Uh, you know, he was blowing people off the line on his on his squad, and um, you know, he's lots of reports of him embar- embarrassing teammates on in practice and shit. So. Uh, you know, if those two are able to, you know, come up with a tandem, you know, two guys fresh into the league have the ability to be real big things. Tennessee could be something. Uh, no yeah, one expects yeah. them to, but I, yeah, I they could see be them making something. a little noise. I, I don't think one thing that people realize, J-Cat, is rookies, they have the edge over any veteran team looking to stop them in week one because there's not a lot of film on them. You learn how to defend these guys as the game goes along. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want to jump ahead to the picks or anything, but you know, week one they are playing the other big quarterback in the draft, and um, yeah, it's, they're going to have a whole career to prove themselves and who's the better guy or who should have been number one and whatnot. But um, they're going to square off at least week one for the first round of bragging rights. So, yeah, and you know what? These two are always going to be linked to one another. They won the last two Heisman trophies. They played each other in college last year, and Marcus Mariota handed Jameis Winston his one and only loss in college football. Yeah. So uh, what do you got Tennessee going? I have them uh, winning five games. I still think they're a work in progress right now. I think they'll improve from the 2-14 and 14 mark. I think Ken Wisenhunt can work with Marcus Mariota, but it's Tennessee's defense. They just struggle to get off the field. All right. Um I'm going a little higher on them and giving them uh, six wins. Okay. Six wins. Um, Indianapolis, obviously, uh, the odds on favor to win that division. Um, you know, they have big things. Uh, that Andrew Luck is really just a force. I mean, he's 
He's a tough, tough dude, loves being hit, you know, congratulates the other guys who sack him. I mean, he's just a gritty quarterback. He's able to make plays. Um, you know, he, he's got a new huge, uh, you know, beast of a running back, even though he's up in his years. But Frank Gore, he's one of those guys that really helps out your offense and relieves a lot of pressure on people looking for pass first. Um, I, I think Indianapolis is probably one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl. Um, wow, and you saying that, J.K., you sounded like a scout. You know Frank Gore better than I think a lot of people do because you've seen him for a yeah. majority of his career. And the one thing I've always liked about Frank Gore is he's not a running back that's flashy. He's a running back that runs with substance. He wants to lower that shoulder and run you over. He doesn't want to run around you. That's never been his game. He does everything. Right. He can block. He does the little things. That's what stands out and makes the biggest impact. And I just think with the Colts now, you have Andre Johnson, you have T.Y. Hilton, Colby Fleener, Dwayne Allen. Now you got a healthy Robert Mathis coming back to help you out on defense, along with Trent Cole. I think this Colts team can win close to 13 games. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. Uh, I'll give them 13 wins myself because, um, like I said, and you mentioned it right there, too. Another huge, huge part of Frank Gore's game is he, he's a great blocking back. So, I mean, you're, you know, you're running that play action out there. you got a, a great blocking back. To buy a guy like Andrew Luck some time, that's dangerous. Exactly. And he's paid Andrew Luck some pretty high compliments uh, these past couple of months. He just said Andrew Luck is maybe one of the smartest players he's ever played with to be so young. Yeah, and I have no beef with um with Indianapolis, so I'm super happy. I mean, when it got so close to him going to Philly, man, I am I hate Philadelphia. I cannot stand the Philadelphia Eagles. That would have been such blasphemy for him to to wind up in an Eagle uniform. So I'm glad that McCoy, you know, placed the phone call or whatever happened there, because um, <laughs> man, I, I'm fine with him, you know, being in an Indianapolis jersey if if he's not going to be in red. Yeah, exactly, man. I, I get exactly where you're coming from. And I know you've been high on this guy for years, Frank Gore. I think oh, yeah. any guy that once played for the 49ers, you're still going to have some respect for him unless they wear a Seattle Seahawks uniform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, Frank <laughs> Gore is a guy who, you know, he had knee surgery on both knees before he left college. I mean, this is a dude that, you know, his story is amazing. And the type of power back he's been over the years, and, you know, we knew his contract was coming up. Last year he played like he wanted that contract. They didn't give it to him. But, I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that he did last year, he looked amazing. So, um, good for them. Good for uh, Indianapolis because they already have a built team and he's just going to be another huge weapon. So Exactly. And I just think with the Colts, they're going to come in with an added chip on their shoulder. They've lost in New England two years in a row the same way. New England's just run all over them. I think it's, it could possibly come down to New England and Indianapolis for the AFC again, J-Cat. Yeah, yeah very possible. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, you know, the, this has been the joke of the league for some years now. They, uh, you know, called the London Jaguars at times. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it. I don't know how much better things are getting for them. Uh, I mean, they might have a few weapons and a few things going for them. I don't know if they're turning the corner completely and um, becoming a threat at this point, though. No, I mean, the talent 
is definitely there. They're really high on Blake Bortles. I think he has what it takes to be a franchise quarterback defensively under Gus Bradley because he was once Seattle's defensive coordinator. He has their defense playing really well, but they just shoot themselves in the foot a lot most of the time. So that's the thing that's keeping Jacksonville from being a, a good team, and I think they win five games this year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give them four. Um, I don't know. They they got to do a little something out there to prove that they can be, you know, some form of winning team because, again, they've just been the joke of the league for a while. So some things they're going right. to have to accomplish. Um, a, a really interesting team now is the uh, the Houston Texans. Uh, offensively, I mean, the quarterback situation is very up in the air. Um, you know, defensively, they look beastly. They look scary on defense. Um, you know, added Will Fork, added, uh, you know, I, who who knows what Clowney's going to look like this season. Um, but if he comes through on top of everything else that they got going on, uh, I mean, they could be really scary on defense. But, again, if that offense can't stay on the field, you know, the defense is going to wear out. You're going to see big plays, but games that – you know, really still come down to the fourth quarter no matter how dominant that defense is. So what are you seeing? Uh, with Houston, their offense is really going to miss Arian Foster. He's going to make everything happen when he's on the field. He's uh, he's a playmaker. He can run outside the tackles, in between the tackles. He can catch the ball. And he's a good blocker, like we just mentioned about Frank Gore. Uh, I would have went with Ryan Mallett as my starting quarterback over uh, Brian Hoyer. Not knocking Brian Hoyer, but I just think Ryan Mallett fits more of what Bill O'Brien wants in a quarterback. That tall guy, six foot five, has that big frame, can look over everybody, standing uh, in the pocket, standing strong and making things happen inside the pocket. And he likes big arm quarterbacks. But this team is going to miss Andre Johnson. No, he hasn't really been the same guy the last couple of years, but DeAndre Hopkins doesn't fit the molding of a number one receiver to me. He's more of a number two, that complimentary piece, but he's going to have to step up now. And then you mentioned their defense. You couldn't have said it any better. Their defense, J.J. Watt, I think best overall player in the NFL. You add Will Fork, you have Whitney Merciless, you have Jadavion Clowney. Hopefully he can stay healthy, and this could be the best front four in football. The key for the Houston Texans this year on defense is Brian Cushing. If he can stay healthy, then this defense, just watch out. I think Houston wins nine games. There. Yeah, I'll give them 10 uh, just because, uh, you know, their offense might be uh, a, a little rough, but, man, that that defense is something else. And um, I don't know. I, you know I, just, I just keep imagining what Will Fork is going to do as far as opening space for J.J. Watt to get more sacks than he, he's even used to getting. So it, it can be pretty scary back there. Yeah, it's definitely going to be. Very scary uh, for defensive facing the Houston Texans. And you know you're special as a defender. Look, I played defense. I was a defensive end myself. And you know you're a pretty special defender when the first thing they talk about when facing your team is what are they going to do to neutralize you and take you away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So over to the West, we got the Denver Broncos and the always, always threatening Peyton Manning. I mean, the guy – was just blowing everybody out of the water two years ago. He was still a factor last year. He's my fantasy football quarterback. Um, what do you think the Denver Broncos look like this year? I mean, look, I think after Denver played St. Louis last year, he wasn't the same. And Denver, it just seems like 
they played Denver the same way that Seattle played Denver in the Super Bowl. Front four, uh, a good front four, not loading the box, dropping everybody back and taking away the middle of the field. And it seems like ever since then, last year, that moment, Peyton Manning wasn't the same quarterback. And Denver, you know what you're going to get from them offensively. Peyton and Demarius are one of the best quarterback-wide receiver tandems in the National Football League. Demarius has really emerged onto the scene as a top-five wide receiver. You have Emmanuel Sanders. There's no Wes Welker and there's no Julius Thomas, and those guys were two key pieces to their offense last year. Now you have Owen Daniels, and Peyton is going to make anybody look good. You can take a guy off the street, J-Cat, and he's going to make them look really good. It's going to come down to what defense do we see from Denver. But honestly, when I look at it, I think their championship window was closed. Their best shot at winning a title was Peyton's first year in Denver. Hmm. Very possible. What do you got their record at? I think they win 12 games. I could see them okay. uh, competing for a first-round bye in the AFC. They're going to be in the mix because they play both New England and Indianapolis this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I give them eleven and five. I think they'll be competitive either way you look at it. Um, but yeah, man, Peyton is going to keep them, you know, a factor. Right. Yeah. So. And you're always going to have a shot when um, you have Peyton Manning on the center, point blank. Period. Yeah, for sure. Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, they they had some. Uh, they slipped up a lot last year. The thing I know, and this is another one of those teams I got somewhat of a scouting-type mentality about because Alex Smith being the quarterback, he caught a lot of heat for a lot of different, you know, decisions and this and that and how he's looking out there. But the thing with Alex Smith is he is a very, very good quarterback at being just consistent. He's not a playmaker. He's not the guy who's going to show up on, you know, Sports Center every week. But if the rest of your team is, is working the way they're supposed to, he's a guy who's not going to make mistakes. If you put too much on his shoulders, he'll be your downfall. But everything else is clicking. Your running game's working well. You know, your defense is playing well. He's not the guy that's going to lose you the game. So I, I think the rest of the Kansas City Chiefs looks better this year to the point where, you know, um, I think they got Macklin, right? Yeah, they did. You know, I, I think that helps him out quite a bit. And I, I think you're going to see a better-looking Alex Smith on the field this year. Yeah, I think we will, too. And he doesn't have to be flashy. You know, this guy's just going to go about his business. And J-Cat, you know him better than I think a lot of us do. You've seen a lot of him, and you saw him grow over the years. And yeah. I think Jeremy Macklin is really going to take a ton of pressure off Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles accounts for more than 55% of what the Kansas City Chiefs do offensively. So they're going to mix it up. Teams are going to load the box on him, and that's going to create a lot of one-on-one leeway for Jeremy Macklin on the other side, no matter where he is lined up on the field. And then I look at Kansas City's defense. You know, they have talent. Justin Houston, he had a great year last year. He got his money. Let's see what they what he does now. Derek Johnson's now coming back, and he brings the structure mm-hmm to this defense. So let's see what he can do after tearing his Achilles. You got Don Terry Poe and Eric Berry is coming back, which I think is just a remarkable story. The man beat cancer and anybody who beats anything in life, you know, I'm a fan of theirs. I think Kansas City, I think they're they're a 500 team. They always seem to struggle when it comes to winning games in the division. And if you want to win that division, you have to win in the division. Yeah. So you got them 8-8? 
I got them at five hundred. All right. Uh, you got the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Oakland Raiders have some um, some upstart, and I almost um, I almost broke my iPod when um, when when Nick was putting them over as being the next coming as well, and, and actually had had the nerve to list Michael Crabtree as as a as a welcome addition that was going to be some form of threat because I remember when we put him on the market, nobody wanted him. And then he wound up in Oakland after much sitting there and waiting. Uh, Michael Crabtree is not a threat. Let's take that right off the table, but I don't think the Oakland Raiders have progressed enough where they're going to be some kind of, um, you know, factor or anything like that. I, I still see the Oakland Raiders as like a five win team. Yeah, but they have the right pieces at the right spots on the football team. Got a good head coach. Jack Del Rio was good. He took Jacksonville to the playoffs, I think once, twice, maybe even three times in his uh, tenure there. You know, took over for John Fox in Denver a couple of years ago when John was having some heart problems. So that's number one. Number two, they have a franchise quarterback, a guy that's going to put people in the seats in Derek Carr and a guy that's going to hopefully win them some football games when it's all said and done. You got a stud at wide receiver in Amari Cooper. You got a good running back at Latavius Murray. And you have a star at D on defense who I think could be a top five defensive player when it's all said and done and down the stretch for the next five or six years and Khalil Mack. So they definitely have the right pieces, but I agree with you. I still think they're a couple of pieces away from being a legit force in that division. So I see them winning five games as well. All right. Um, San Diego. San Diego year in, year out seems to be a hard team for me to pick. Um, I never really know what to take from them. They could be the team that's super tough one week and blown out the next week. Um, Rivers is definitely a top quarterback, but, you know, they just don't seem to be able to turn the corner there. It seemed to be a wild card team at best, and then never really – they're a team you don't want to play, but no one predicts them to win the Super Bowl. So, I don't know. i got to go 9-7 and seven on the um, on the Chargers. But what do you think with them? I agree with you. I think this is the biggest threat right now to the Denver Broncos and the AFC West. They always seem to give Peyton Manning a fit, and this goes back to his Indianapolis days. Phillip Rivers is a good quarterback. He has good weapons around him. I know they'll be without Antonio Gates for the first four games of the year. He's suspended, but other guys are going to have to step it up. Keenan Allen, Malcolm Floyd, Melvin Gordon, your first-round draft pick. Defensively, I still can't really figure these guys out, but they can win football games. I mean, they know how to close games out when they know they have to. So 9-7 and seven I think is appropriate for them. All right. Um, going over to the north to close out the AFC, uh, you got the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think they could be pretty decent. They're another kind of on-the-cuff team where, um, you know, kind of squeak into the playoffs or be, you know, somewhat looking outside looking in type team. But, um, again, I, I really don't know much about any moves that they made that's going to, you know, put them in the next, uh, put them on the next level. What's your thoughts on Cincinnati? I mean, look, they're a good regular season team, but they're not equipped for the playoffs. And that's showing and me sometimes being the dumb analyst I can be. I've picked them to win in the playoffs. I just always thought, they could win a game. How Marvin Lewis still has a job is beyond me because he's been there a couple of years now and hasn't won a playoff game. Andy Dalton, he's a good quarterback, but 
he always seems to struggle in the big moments. A.J. Green, good wide receiver. They have weapons on both sides of the football, and they don't really go out and get anybody big name in free agency. They build in the draft. That's the one thing I can take away from them, but I think this could be the year where they don't make the playoffs. I have them at 500, 8-8. Eight eight. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure with Cincinnati. I'll give them 9-7 just because they usually have somewhat of a hopes of possibly making somewhere, but maybe fall a little short. But uh, Cleveland, uh, that's a team that, um, you know, they've looked really good at times. I've always said that, you know, the past couple of years I've been saying, like, watch, they're going to do more than you think and this and that. And I thought that their real peak time was when Brian Hoyer was healthy. He was really he had a team behind him. He was playing really good. He got hurt, and the whole team just took like a negative turn. And now with this uh, Johnny Manziel situation, I don't know. I'm not really sold on this guy, and um, I got them at eight and eight and eight. I'm not sold on them either, and I have them winning less than you do. I have them at six and ten. Okay. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, um, look, Cleveland has talent. But I just don't really see them scoring the football a lot without Josh Gordon. He's your best player. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you got Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, they really shocked me last year because the year the year before last, I really looked at Brent Roethlisberger as a guy who was going to need to hang it up. Um, he lost a lot of speed. He, he was really – he was getting hit in the backfield. He couldn't get out of his own way. He just – you know, his, his legs were banged up. He just – he just wasn't the scrambling quarterback that he was. Uh, he came into last year and completely surprised me. He looked lighter, faster, just uh, more efficient overall. Just He looked great last year. And um, I, I don't know if they're able to just continue that. I mean, he's, he's not at a, an age where, okay, now he has a second wind and plays another great six seasons. I, I don't know if the bottom falls out on this guy or if we get the same Pittsburgh Steelers we saw last year. So, well, he has, a, he has a lot of wear and tear on his body. Ben Roethlisberger has been doing this for almost 11 years now, and I don't think people realize yeah. it. Remember when he first came into the league, he's not the same young guy that he once was, and it seems like as you get older, you have to change a lot up in your game. And that's what Ben Roethlisberger has had to do. He's become more pocket savvy. And now they're starting to run the football a little bit more. That's been the Steelers' bread and butter, running that ball. But Le'Veon Bell won't be there for the first three games. He's suspended. Yeah, they have a great passing attack with Antonio Brown. Martavis Bryant, another one who won't be there for the first three or four games for testing positive uh, to steroids. But when I look at this Steelers defense, this is really going to be a transitional period for them. There's no Troy Palomalu, and he always got you a clutch turnover when you needed it. Right. He had an underappreciated and undervalued guy in Ike Taylor. And if you notice one thing about the Steelers, man, They've never had a true shutdown cornerback. But I think the most important guy to this defense, I'm stepping outside the box, it's been their defensive coordinator, and he's no longer there anymore, and that's Dick LeBeau. I'd like the Steelers to win 10 games, but I don't see them winning the division. Okay. Okay. I I just I got a feeling that they're just not going to be as good this year. I'm giving them seven wins. I'm having Cleveland actually finish you know, a game ahead of them. Okay. Um, then we got the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, they 
they're they're another up and down team, uh, pretty dangerous to play. But again, I don't know who's predicting them to win the Super Bowl. Um, I, what are they doing at, at running back at this point? I'm not really sure. It's still Justin Forsett. He came on and had a great year last year. They decided to bring him back, and you know, amid the Ray Rice crap and, and, and things like that, this guy really stepped up and really was a force for them. He's a downhill runner, smaller guy, almost okay. the same type of running back as Ray Rice. You know, guy who likes to, who needs his touches in order for this offense to really move the ball down the field. He can catch it out the backfield. He can block. Uh, he's able to maneuver his way in and out of traffic. I mean, I mean, the guy is the complete package. Nicer in the elevator, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is true now. <laughs> <laughs> way more polite in the elevator. <laughs> way, way, way so, more polite in the elevator. That's so what, damn, do you, what do you got uh, Baltimore at? <laughs> I like them to win 11 games, J.K. I think Flacco, when he doesn't have to do it all, that's when he's at his best, when the Ravens' offense is balanced. Uh, you have Steve Smith, who's in his final year. He's retiring after this year. The rookie wide receiver, Brashad Perriman, he's going to be really good. Max Williams, another uh, rookie tight end, because Dennis Pitt just can't stay healthy, and this Ravens defense is still considered one of the best in football. And finally, with a healthy secondary, I'll take them over anybody in the division. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on 11-5, and five, and I really think Steve Smith's going to do big things this year, uh, you know, in his last last burst. The dude's still got tremendous speed, and, um, you know, he, he's one of those super fiery players, and he's not going to go out quiet. Yeah, and he's one of the toughest wide receivers I've seen under six feet. Five foot nine, but he played a lot bigger than he appeared. And and don't forget too, there's a big hole in Torrey Smith being gone too. That he's he's probably going to have a a big part in the filling. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Torrey Smith, he was a big part of what they did offensively. Yep. All right. Uh, NFC East, uh, Dallas Cowboys. The um, uh, these guys, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to feel about the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they can be tough. Des Bryant's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Um, Tony Romo, he's, he could play pretty well throughout the uh, the regular side of the season. But, um, I, I mean, they're going to be competitors. I think Dallas is uh, – I give them 11 wins. But, um, you know, and it's preseason and everything. But, man, we absolutely – you know, the, the team that everybody has counted out, we absolutely shut them down with their starters on the field. So, I, I don't – believe that the Dallas Cowboys are world beaters. I haven't I haven't believed that, you know, last year, this year, any year, but um at least not in recent memory. But uh what's your what's your feelings on Dallas? I mean, you know, I think they're still the the team to beat in this division. Yeah, they're gonna miss DeMarco Murray, but Tony Romo, when you don't put it all on him, that's when he's at his best. And Des Bryant, you said it best, look he's one of the best wide receivers in football. I think this guy is considered the Marshawn Lynch of wide receivers just because he's so difficult to bring down once he has the ball in the open field in his hands. Dallas' defense, they're getting the boost. Sean Lee is coming back, so he's going to make everybody around him better. I like them to win 10 games. I like them to win this division again. Okay. Um, yeah, um, so then uh, Philadelphia Eagles, they made a lot of big, big changes. Um, I mean, he, you're getting hot and cold as far as the fans and how they feel and everything. Um, they brought in Murray. 
who, um, again, you know, we talk about Dallas. I don't know. I, what do you think it is? Because a lot of people just pinned on the Dallas side of things. They pinned it on being Dallas's offensive line, and anyone can run behind there. You put anybody, you know, behind that offensive line, and they'll lead the league in rushing. And then on the other side of things, Murray led the league in rushing. I mean, how do you just put that away and go, well, never mind that, and they ship him to Philly. I think Philly definitely benefits from that. I can't imagine that he's a complete fluke and it was all Dallas's line. Sam Bradford, you know, I mean, if that guy is healthy, he's a very good quarterback. I, I don't know why they're banking on him being hurt before the season starts, but a lot of people are banking on him being hurt. Um, I don't know. What do you think about the Eagles? I mean, I look at the Eagles, and they had one of the craziest off seasons. They traded away LaShawn McCoy. And I don't think anybody can sit here and say that they expected that to happen, trading away an all-pro running back. I mean, he was everything to that offense. They don't bring back Jeremy Macklin. They pretty much clean house, but they still have talent there. You have Jordan Matthews. You have Nelson Agahor, the the guy that they drafted from USC, which I thought was a great pick. And they have one of the best players in football that you've never heard of, and he goes by the name of Zach Ertz. He's a field stretcher. He's a red zone threat. He can open the, open the field up. He's a good blocker. Them signing DeMarco Murray is absolutely huge, but remember, he's going from a great offensive line to an offensive line that still has some holes in it, but it's going to come down to the Eagles' defense and can they get off the field and can they make stops. Originally, I had the Eagles winning this division, but I think they win uh, nine games, J.K. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with the nine wins. I, I think uh, they have a lot of developing to do. This isn't just going to be an overnight. Everybody clicks. They're on the same page and, you know, gets rolling. But I, I do think Bradford's probably going to have a pretty good season. I don't see him just getting hurt and knocked out of the game right away. But, you know, I guess we'll have to see how the protection goes. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's what it's going to come down to. But he's a great in the preseason, and hopefully he doesn't. But if he were to get injured during the season, they have a guy that they can turn to in Mark Sanchez. And he finally had an offensive mind to head coach and Chip Kelly to really tutor him and use him the right way. All right. Uh, you got the Washington Redskins that are, you know, just, I don't know, man. What they did with RG3, and now this guy's a backup quarterback. They're not going to let him go. They're going to hang on to him for a backup. They get this guy a concussion in preseason. And then, you know, just just embarrass this guy. Now they're going to go into the season, I guess, with Cousins as their starter, right? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I don't know many upsides for this, uh, this Washington Redskins team. I'm giving them, like, four wins. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm giving them to, and they don't use Robert Griffin III the right way, J.K. This guy isn't a pocket-savvy quarterback. He needs his legs to make things happen. That's just the type of guy he is. That's who he's always been, and he'll never be a pocket-savvy guy. If you want that guy to beat you from the pocket, start Kirk Cousins. So, you know, I'll give him that much, but they're not using Robert Griffin III the right way, and I almost feel bad for the guy. Yeah, it is, it is bad. He could at least get a job somewhere else that, you know, might try to use him right. But uh, I don't know. Um, the Giants, what do you – I mean, this is an up-and-down team too and uh, more down than anything these days. Uh, their big upside is, is at wide receiver. 
you know, with uh, Beckham just being an absolute phenom. And then uh, if Victor Cruz is healthy this year, that's an excellent one-two punch. If Eli could play, you know, the the good Eli game, um, you could be looking at a pretty dangerous one-two punch in, in wide receivers there. On defense, uh, with JBP burnt and blowing his hand off, uh, I think that that's got to hurt him in some some shape or fashion. I mean, this is a big part of their defense. Um I don't think big things for this team this year. Uh, give them maybe six wins. You know, I could see them winning a little bit more, J-Cat. But yeah. one thing that's really disappointed me about JPP and this whole situation with his finger is, and this is where I'm actually going to need your thought on it, analyst to host. They're, they're, they've been comparing this to Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott had the tip of his finger amputated. JPP lost an entire finger. Ronnie Lott didn't have to use his hands. He covered a lot of ground in the back end of that secondary. JPP has to use his hands to maneuver 330 to 350-pound offensive lineman, and it's going to be difficult for him to do because he doesn't have that feeling and that push to make it happen up front. But when I look at this Giants offense, it could be good if Eli can take care of the football. A healthy Victor Cruz. Obviously, Odell Beckham, I don't think he's going to have the type of season that he had last year because teams are going to know how to stop him. They're going to be preparing for him. They've had a year of film on him. So this is going to actually open things up for Victor Cruz. They have a good running back in Rashad Jennings, a veteran who can get a who can get you some yards on third down in Shane Vereen and then catch the football out the backfield as well. Defensively, though, is where the questions really uh, lie because Steve Spagnuolo was back, but who are they going to get? to really rush the quarterback, and that secondary is just a mess right now. I'll say nine games at the best for the New York Giants. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as the Ronnie Lott thing, uh, you know, Ronnie Lott is Ronnie Lott. Uh, you're talking about one of the best safeties to play the game. I mean, his his field vision and everything and, you know, his ability to lay hits on guys. And I mean, he had a whole different set of uh, skills, like you said, you're talking about JPP up there battling his hands on 300-pound guys to try to get through, and um, I think it affects him in a completely different way. Ronnie Lott had a whole different skill set to deal with. Um, at that point, he was well-seasoned um, as a veteran, and um, I, don't, I don't think it's a, an even-keel comparison. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Um so uh, then you got to uh, – let's go to the south. Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta's a tough team uh, as far as, you know, getting out of their own way. Um, I don't know. I mean, this team, you know, shows a little bit of glimpses, the one to be in the playoffs, and it looks completely outclassed if they get there. Um, I, I don't I don't expect too much from them. I'd probably say like a 7-9. and nine. I'll say six and ten. Um, they still have a lot of holes in in their team. I mean, Matt Ryan, he's definitely more than capable of not making those mistakes. He's been in the league long enough, and I think he's more effective when he's dropping back in a five-step drop. He can't make things happen in that seven-step drop. He turns the ball over too much. Yeah, sure. Um, the New Orleans Saints uh, – Drew Brees is, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, he's had pretty rough stretch, you know, where he, they've been pretty banged up. And, um, you know, they, they just lost Jimmy Graham on top of that. Um, 
they they did get themselves a little more protection as far as the uh, you know offensive line goes for for Jimmy Graham. But um, I don't know. What do you think the New Orleans Saints are going to look like this year? I think they're going to go back to the offense before Jimmy Graham got there. I've always said since Drew Brees got to New Orleans, with him, if you're open down the field, he's going to get you the football. And they have a wide receiver by the name of Joseph Morgan. He could kind of be that Graham substitute. He's six foot six, wide catch radius, tall guy, lanky, can go over the middle. He'll be used in the red zone. And then um, you look at um, you look at the defense. That's what's really going to catch my eye for the New Orleans Saints. Jairus Bird coming back and him being healthy, yeah. I can see the Saints making some noise. I think they win nine games. I just don't think um, I don't think they win a division. I think if they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to compete for a wild card spot, J.K. All right. Yeah, I got them going 8-8. Eight eight. Um, all right. So, um, Tampa Bay, um, obviously our friend uh, Nick over there has these guys automatic wins all the way through the playoffs. Um, Jameis Winston is going to be the next coming. And, um, you know, Super Bowl MVP as soon as he, he hits the field. But um, I think, uh, you know, whenever you start now with a new quarterback like this, it's going to be a building process. He, if this guy is going to be a phenom, it's probably going to be year two or three. He's probably going to show some good prospect this year, um, you know, and the, and the team's going to have to really, you know, form around him. And they're going to have a little more structure behind him other than just, you know, starting out with this new quarterback. Um, I still think the the Bucks are going to be a six-win team at best. I'll say they win seven games. I think they can make that transition. I don't think that they will, you know, surprise people and just win games and shut people down like a lot of people are expecting them to. I still think they're a work in progress. Okay. Um and then you got the Carolina Panthers. Um, they got into the playoffs, but I think like a eight and eight or nine and seven record last year, something ridiculous. This this division seems to kind of look the same way. Maybe New Orleans is the one that squeaks in this year, but um, I don't know. What do you think about Carolina? Uh, with Carolina, uh, yeah, they lost Kelvin Benjamin, but other guys are now going to have to step up. Guys like Greg Olson, you know, he's always been Cam Newton's security blanket. Uh, a guy like uh, Devin Funches, the guy that they drafted from Michigan, the hybrid mix of a tight end and a wide receiver, a guy that you can use outside. They're going to run the ball, and they have one of the best defenses in football. This is actually my pick to win the division yet again. I just think when they're on and they're clicking on all cylinders, this is the best team in the NFC South. Okay. How many wins do you give I'm going to say they won 11 games, J.K. I think they're going to be a competitive team. They'll dominate in a division, and we'll go from there. All right. I'll give them 10 wins. Um, all right. Let's go to uh, NFC North, the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, Cutler, Cutler out there, I, I don't know how much they're going to accomplish. I think that's – he's just one of those guys that just doesn't seem to really get it done. Um, he's a good enough quarterback, but <laughs> – in the end, he doesn't seem good enough. Um, I, I don't know with the Bears. I, I give him nine wins. You know, with the Bears, one thing I've noticed about Jay Cutler over the years, this goes back to his Vanderbilt days and his days as a Denver Bronco. And now, even in Chicago, he's not a leader, Jay Cat. You look at a lot yeah. of these quarterbacks, 
like Peyton and Breeze and Brady and Rodgers and Luck and Roethlisberger, Rivers, all those guys I just listed. And when things don't go right, they accept responsibility for it. You don't get that from Jay Cutler. You can pay a guy to be athletic all you want, but you can't pay a guy to be a leader. Point blank, period. I'm still trying to really figure this Bears team out. I say they win six games. Okay. Um, The Detroit Lions, um, I don't know. I've been pretty big on this team for a couple years. I really like the quarterback. Uh, I think he he does big things. Um, He's just he's another one of those tough guys. Maybe not quite an Andrew Luck, but um, I I do like his toughness. And um, I don't know. I I expect something out of these these guys. I don't know if they're going to make the uh, you know win the division type thing. But um, I think I give the Detroit Lions ten wins. You know, I'm going to say the Lions go 500 this year. I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them. Offensively, I think they're going to be set. They have one of the best wide receiver tandems in football in Golden State and Megatron because you take away Absolutely. one, you got to worry about the other one. Now, and now Calvin Johnson has a complimentary piece playing alongside him in Detroit. Matthew Stafford, he's a serviceable quarterback. I'm with you. I've been high on him as well. But I just think he gets a little bit too much flack. I mean, the guy can fling it up there. He can get you into a shootout. And the guy has led the Lions to the playoffs, something that we haven't seen a quarterback for the Detroit Lions do in quite some time. What's really going to catch my eye about the Lions this year is their defense. No Ndamukong Sue, no Nick Fairley. And when you have that type of push up front, your secondary is able to naturally make plays among, uh, upon the football. And now this secondary is just going to have to make plays on their own now. So I think they're going go to uh, they're gonna go back, come back down to reality, be a 500 team. Haloti Nada, he was a good piece to get, but he has a hard time staying healthy. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, a lot of people are high on this team. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is, is – uh, Expected to have a real big year. Um, I, I would have to agree that they're definitely due for a, you know a bigger year than you know what they've been doing. I give uh, Green Bay twelve wins. I like Green Bay to win thirteen games this year. Uh, I think even without Jordy Nelson, this team is built to get past that. They bring back James Jones. He's more than likely going to be your number one receiver. Cobb, your number two. And Devontae Adams, your number three. And then if the Packers' defense with a healthy B.J. Raji, that's what's needed to beat the Seattle Seahawks. They want to run the football up the middle, clog the hole with uh, big B.J. Raji. I like this team to win 13 games. All right. Um, And last in the division is uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I I don't know. Adrian Peterson's, uh, you know, back from beating his kid. And – he, I don't know, he was one of the best running backs in the league previous to all this stuff. Um, I'd imagine, you know, he, he's going to have something to prove. Uh, I don't even think he wanted to stay there. He made a lot of, you know, talk about, uh, you know, now he should have a lot more say in the situation and this and that because they just didn't want to let him go. They said, no, no, like, we already took the heat of, you know, what you did out there. So now, now we're going to at least reap the benefits of your playing ability. So, you know, they want to keep them. Um, I don't think the Minnesota Vikings are better than seven wins, but um, I think Adrian Peterson may have a, a pretty big year. I think Minnesota wins nine games this year. Adrian Peterson single-handedly by himself 
makes them a better team. He's going to take a lot of pressure off of Teddy Bridgewater. The defense under Mike Zimmer, he's a defensive-minded head coach. They're going to make some noise. They're going to do really well. They have a lot of talent across the board. I could see Minnesota making the playoffs. Hmm. Yeah, That's... man. I mean, I, I I really could. I could see them surprising a lot of people. All right. And last but not least, the uh, the NFC West. Uh, you got the St. Louis Rams. They're tough on defense. Um, I, I think that's their, you know, their biggest strength. They play us tough every year, no matter what's going on between us, whether we're the best or they're. I don't know if St. Louis has been the best in recent history, but um, they always show up and, and they play us at, at a complete even keel. It seems like there's no, you know, we have no advantage going into that game, no matter how we're playing, because they, they just play tough and defensively. They'll change games. Um I don't know about them doing anything huge. Um, probably going to put them at 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, I think them getting Nick Foles is big because he can just fling that ball down the field. They'll run the ball with Ty Gurley, but their front four I think is the best in the league. You got Robert Quinn, who I think is one of the best defensive linemen in all of football. You have Chris Long on the opposite side of him. You have Aaron Donald in the middle. Now you add Nick Fairley to the mix, and this defense is really going to make some noise. So, you know, I'll give them – I'm going to be nice, and I'll give them nine wins, J-Cat. Okay, okay. Um, so then you got the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals have, uh, you know, a lot of people are looking at them as the team that we're going to knock off uh, Seattle, you know, you know, if, if it wasn't going to be us, it was going to be Arizona. They were on upswing. Um, I, I don't know that they stay, you know, um, so promising. I'm just not so sure about the Arizona Cardinals. Um, but but I'll give them nine wins. Um, yeah, that's about right. I'll You know what? I'll actually say I'll go lower, and I'll say eight, uh, 500. Eight and eight, yeah. Carson Palmer is good, but they lost a lot on defense. You lose Darnell Dockett, and then you lose the guy that made you a top five defense in Todd Bowles. But Bruce Arians is there; he's a top five head coach. Yeah. Um, the the Seattle Seahawks, the team that everybody likes to say that they're the hands down winner of this. And that. Um, the Seattle Seahawks last year, they continue to extend drives through. Russell Wilson's footwork, you know, back there scrambling. I mean, the defense was in the backfield probably more so than the running back was. And, you know, the amazing moves that he made back there, I I don't know if he just gets to do that his whole career. I I just – I mean, it might be complete bias because I hate the Seahawks with a burning passion, but I I just (laughs) saw too many times where there were game-saving, drive-extending plays where Russell Wilson ran left, ran right, ran a circle, and, and still got a pass off and made a, a play down the field. I don't think he gets to do that his whole career. I really, really don't. I think he's defense nah, to think figure so him out. I don't think so, too, J.K. And as I said earlier, when you get older, you got to change things up with your play because you're not going to mm-hmm. be able to do those things. Yeah, I I don't know about that. And you know, you you take away another piece of the offensive line in order to get a tight end that doesn't block. And I I think these defenses are going to be all over Russell Wilson. 
And I'll tell you what, the Legion of Boom and all that, the defense didn't look that fantastic last year as opposed to two years ago. Um, I mean, you got to look at, I think it was an 8-8. Eight and eight, I, Like I was saying, the, um, the uh, Carolina Panthers, they went into the playoffs at like 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, something ridiculous. And they went well past the half in a completely competitive game with the Seattle Seahawks. That's that's not a Seahawks team that's dominant and just hands down, you know. Well, they won, you know, they won the division. I think they're being well, well overrated. I don't think the NFC was up to par last year, and they were able to push through it. I agree completely with everything you said. And my thing on Seattle is I don't, I don't expect them to. I expect them to win a division, but I don't think they're going back to the Super Bowl this year, Jay Cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, nah, I would definitely say not. Um, how many wins do you give the Seattle Seahawks? You know, I think they win 12 games uh, again like they did last year. I think they're going to compete once more for in, in, uh, for the NFC uh, yet again, uh, first round bye, but I just think they come down to reality a little bit. The Legion of Boom is attacked. Is you can attack them. You beat them with smaller wide receivers. Richard Sherman can't defend those slot guys. He would prefer to defend those bigger receivers like Marshall, like Calvin Johnson. Uh, who's another one? Uh, Demarius Thomas. He prefers to defend guys like that, but he can't defend smaller guys. Like uh, like a Tory like a Tory Smith or, or 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 things like that. I just think he struggles with that. The whole entire Legion of Boom does. Yeah, and they still got a they still got a holdout too, right? Yeah, but even without Cam Chancellor, I still think they're a really good team. I mean, he he makes them even better. But look look at how much money they've had to spend and who they had to pay to make things happen. I mean, they had to pay Marshawn Lynch. They overpaid Russell Wilson, if you ask me. Yeah, did I think it was right they extended him? Yes, I do. But they paid him way too much money. I think he's not worth $87.5 million, if you ask me. They paid Richard Sherman. Uh, they paid Earl Thomas. They paid Michael Bennett. They paid Bobby Wagner. You knew one guy was going to be left out of getting paid, and that's Cam Chancellor. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Like I said, it might be because of my bias and, and because I, I want that type of thing to happen, but I'm going to only give them nine wins. I think they get put back on their heels with a lot of things that have happened. And, and I really think Russell Wilson's going to have problems back there this year. He's a great quarterback, and he's able to make a lot of plays happen, but I think the league is going to make it a lot harder on him this year, and it's going to change a lot of things. Yeah, um, definitely. But now, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, they have a true weapon down the field in Jimmy Graham, and he draws a lot of attention. So what's this mean? The box won't be loaded as much. I think Marshawn Lynch is really going to benefit the most from Jimmy Graham being sure. there. And I got him on my fantasy team, so at the worst-case scenario, he helps me out. Um, there you go. <laughs> so um, the last last team I left them for last because I have the most to say about it is my San Francisco 49ers. Now, I think this is the most slept-on team in, in the National Football League right now. Um, and the thing is, is I, I cannot see us not being improved on offense. One thing Cap has completely studied and practiced, and, I mean, he's been in, he's been in workouts with, with Kurt Warner for extended periods in the offseason, completely retooling his throwing motion, 
being able to work on touch passes, being able to do a lot of different things as far as his psychology back there, and changing the way that he thought and played the game. And I think that's going to be a huge, huge factor. Take into account that. Take into account that they're going to be able to run a lot more of like a, a check down system where they could they could hit a hit a short back in a Reggie Bush is one of the best guys to do it. I also saw in the in the uh, preseason that Carlos Hyde is catching short passes like like he always has. Like he's doing it like like that's what he's been doing since birth. Uh, you got a long threat which we always wanted Michael Crabtree to be, but you got a long threat in Tory Smith and um you know he's he's going to be a factor. I mean, he's definitely going to be a factor. We ended up cutting Darnell Dockett. Um, Darnell Dockett, we really thought was going to be a big weapon. What ended up happening, though, is he had a rib contusion. He had a tear in cartilage in his rib area where he was going to go into the season as questionable and probably would have had this injury nagging throughout the season. I just don't think it was worth the risk. If we get a solid unit together, which it seems like we have, um, you know, our, our, our guys are – our unit still. We got the Varro Bowman was playing like he played two years ago. This guy's been off the field for like 18 months. And you remember when he was on the field next to Pat Willis, Pat Willis would come off the field and he'd tell everybody, I am not the best defensive player on this field. The Varro Bowman is the best defensive player on this field. So him looking like the Navarro Bowman of old, you cannot sleep on this defense because we lost the guy who spent half of last year out. I'm not taking anything away from Pat, man. I got to get a lot of New Jersey's this year. Pat Willis, Frank Gore, um, you know, uh, Justin Smith. I mean, I got a lot of them, but our youth on that team is tremendous. We got a young defense. These guys are hungry. I mean, I saw a furious defense out there. Like I said, we went out there and we shut Dallas down. Um, We had Navarro Bowman leaping all over Peyton Manning. We did a lot in the preseason to show me that this is this is a hungry, fiery defense. And um, the last thing I definitely want to point out because I think this is this is our X factor right here, Jared Haynes. This guy, he he came out of rugby. He was like the LeBron James of rugby in Australia. And this guy came over here, learned the game of football. Um, he ran for well over 150 yards, return return yards, punt return yards. This season, I watched him run and truck a guy, just knock a guy flat on his back. I've watched him make ridiculous Barry Sanders-looking cut moves. This guy, his ability to do things on that field athletically, he's amazing. He's going to make highlight reels all season. And the fact of the matter is if he can extend our punt return yards tremendously and, and our kick return, our field position gets better. And if that's a consistent all year, we have a shorter field to travel, and it, it changes the face of our entire offense. And I think you, you got to watch out for this guy. So I got my guys winning a minimal of 10 games, and that's, that's just trying to be realistic. But in the same token, I would not be surprised to see them win more. You know, I, I applaud your opinion because I know nobody is more strict on your team and more passionate about their team than you, Mr. J. Cat Morris. I mean, guy, every <laughs> year during football. Look, look, if you aren't friends with this guy on Facebook, look, I developed a friendship with this guy <laughs> off the microphone. And during football season, when the 49ers are on, I see every update 
So you're my 49ers <laughs> guy. I just come to you, man. <laughs> but Absolutely. one thing that I've also noticed about Colin Kaepernick, especially last year, is when he stepped back into that pocket, he only made one read, and that was to Anquan Bolden. Spread the ball around. Right. we got Torrey Smith now, but Vernon Davis is going to be so key to what this offense does this year. And you got to get him involved because I think when you get him involved, everything clicks. Having Navarro Bowman come back is absolutely huge, but like you said, the youth movement on this defense now, Eric Armstead, Six foot seven defensive end. He's going to make some noise, and he can play outside linebacker as well, depending on the package. And they have a really good guy running that defense now, Eric Mangini. I'll give San Francisco seven wins, Jay Cat. Okay, I think they might even gain wins since you're on the sports then talking about them. <laughs> yeah, they just might. Maybe, maybe my sales pitch just helped. Um, so yeah, man, there, there you go. There's, there's the NFL in a nutshell. Um, Real quick through the um, to the games, um, we got tomorrow. Finally, the NFL season kicks off. We got Pittsburgh, New England. We talked about these teams. We know what they're all about. Who do you got winning the game? I like New England tomorrow. I think they're just in to come out. And I think if there's any team that's more anxious to get on the field, it's the New England Patriots. It's been a rough off season for them. Brady is back. He's going to play with a fire. They're raising a banner. They're going to celebrate the accomplishments of one last, of last year for one last time. And then it's time to put that title to the fence. Roethlisberger is going to do everything he can to keep up with Tom Brady, but he's going to fall short. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think New England uh, again huge chip on their shoulder, but uh, you know their star quarterback almost being put away for four games, and now he's he's there with an ear to ear grin, you know, just wanting to put on the uh, you know the performance that he's capable of doing. Um, Green Bay, Chicago. Uh, again, we talked about Chicago. I think Green Bay's you know so favored to do so much this year. They got to come out and smack Chicago. You know, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than a lot of people are expecting it to be. I think, you know, the Bears are going to take advantage of some vulnerable spots in Green Bay's offense, but Aaron Rodgers, he just does so well against the Chicago Bears, and I think that continues again on Sunday. I like the Green Bay Packers in this one. All right. uh, Kansas City, Houston, um, you know, uh, Houston's defense, I think they really make their first statement of the year right here against Kansas City. I think it's going to be close, though, because, like I said, I think uh, Alex Smith does play a good game, but, man, he's going to be met with the most pressure that he you know, way more pressure than he wants to deal with on game one. So we'll definitely see what Alex Smith's going to be like because he's going to be under tremendous pressure game one. If Kansas City comes out of this game with a win, then, you know, you're looking at big things for Kansas City. I'm going to go with Houston, but keep an eye on Kansas City, man. If they win this game, start looking at what they're going to do this season because that's a lot of pressure. I'm actually taking Kansas City in this game. I think Jeremy Macklin's going to have a, a big coming out party in his debut for the Kansas City Chiefs, Jamal Charles. He may not okay. be Jamal Charles because I think they're going to come down and they're going to clamp down, shut him down, and put the game in the hands of Alex Smith. And I think Alex is going to be just fine with that. And I think he's going to outplay Brian Hoyer. All right. All right. Um, then we got uh, Cleveland at the Jets. I'm not sold on the Jets. Uh, I'm just going Cleveland on this one. I'm going with the Jets on this one. I think uh, I think they can actually – I think they can get past Cleveland. 
Could be a closer game. You never know really what to expect on Sundays during the NFL season. Anybody can match up with anybody. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Indianapolis at Buffalo. I think Buffalo is really tough defensively. They're going to give Indianapolis a little bit of problems, but I think Indianapolis with their new-look run game is going to win this game. Yeah, I think the Colts win this game as well. It's going to be tough. They're going up into a hostile environment. Uh, Rex Ryan's going to want to get to Andrew Luck early and often, but I just think I think the Colts can come away with this one on the road. Yeah. Miami at Washington. Uh, Washington's got a million problems there, going with a, with a backup quarterback that's a starter, RG3, shooting looks at people from the bench. Uh, i, I got to go with Miami on this. Yeah, I'm going with Miami as well. I just think they're they're uh, better structured right now, and Washington is just a mess across the board in all phases. Coaching, I think Jay Gruden is an idiot. Yeah. Uh, Carolina at Jacksonville. Uh, this is a tough one for me because I'm not I'm not really sure. I expected Jacksonville to kind of sneak a few teams. Uh, I think Carolina could be one of those teams, especially coming right out of the gate. I'm gonna pick as a. As an upset, I think Jacksonville is going to come out and pull a sleeper on them. You know, uh, I could I see where you're coming from, but I'm going to disagree, J.K. I'm going okay. to go with Carolina over Jacksonville. Uh, I could see Jacksonville upsetting them, but I just think Carolina has a big game on Sunday. Okay. Uh, Seattle at St. Louis. Um, I, I am going with my um, my talk of Seattle catching a little bit of a, a bump in the road. Uh, going into St. Louis straight off the bat, I think St. Louis's defense gives them a lot of problems, and they pull that win. I agree. Uh, I'm going with the upset. I like St. Louis over Seattle. They have the wide receivers to attack Richard Sherman in the Legion of Boom. Quick passes, smaller receivers. They're gonna be. It's going to be tougher than the stop, and I think this defense is going to get a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, and we got uh, New Orleans at Arizona, and uh, I'm going to go with New Orleans. I'm going to go with Arizona in this one. Carson Palmer, he can't okay. get into a shootout with Drew Brees. He's just a quarterback you can't beat when it comes to shootouts. Um, I think their defense, they're going to get some pressure, and I think the Saints, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period without Jimmy Graham. I like uh, Arizona mm-hmm. in this one. Okay. Uh, you got Detroit at San Diego. Um Feeling good about Detroit, as I said, uh, so I'm going I'm to go with Detroit on this one. I'm going to go San Diego. San Diego is usually a really All good right. team at home. It's always a tough place to play, especially teams from the East Coast in the Midwest, Central Standard Time, going to the West Coast. If they're smart, like I hope Jim Caldwell is, they spent all week in San Diego. Who wouldn't want to spend all all week in sunny San Diego, California? You get adjusted to the time period, and the weather is nice. Yeah. All right. Um, this is that, that big rookie game. Is uh, Tennessee at Tampa Bay? Um, I don't know, man. I'm picking a lot of away teams on this one, but I'm going to go with Tennessee. I'm going to go Tampa Bay. I think Jameis, he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder knowing this is the guy that gave me my one and only loss in college in one of the biggest games of my early collegiate career. I like uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. Uh, Cincinnati at Oakland. Um, again, uh, the away team goes for me. Uh, I got to go with Cincinnati. I'm going with the upset, J-Cat. I like Oakland. I just can't really get a finger 
on the Cincinnati Bengals. There's one minute they look good, next minute they don't. And this Oakland team, I think they can come out the gate and surprise a lot of people. I'm not saying they're going to go to the playoffs, but I think they can sneak up on teams, just like you said about the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think Cincinnati right. is one of the teams that they can sneak up on. All right. Um, we got uh, some more Denver. I got to go with Peyton Manning coming out and, uh, you know, showing that it's, it, it, this is still a, a Denver team that can play a ball and beating Baltimore at home. Yeah, yeah, I like uh, Denver as well. Uh, it just seems the last time these two teams played, they gave us both memorable games, that double overtime loss in the playoffs, Baltimore beating Denver, and then Peyton throwing seven touchdowns a few months later to open up the 2013 season. I do like Denver in this one. I think Peyton's going to have three or four touchdown passes. He's going to spread the ball around. Yeah. And their defense, they got to make Joe Flacco move because he's a pocket-savvy guy. Make him run around. Make him make things happen with his feet. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then you got the uh, Sunday night football game of the New York Giants versus the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to go with Dallas on this one. Um, yeah, I think at home and uh, – Again, I don't think the Giants look that fantastic, so I'm going to go with Dallas. Yeah, I think Dallas beats them as well. I just think um, with that being said, Tony Romo is going to attack that secondary. They're not going to know what to do with Dez. I think it's going to be a shootout, though, and I think it's going to be a closer game than a lot of people are expecting. Okay. Uh, Monday Night Football, two games. we got the Philadelphia Eagles at the uh, Atlanta Falcons. And... Um, I'm probably going to go with the Eagles on this one. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm taking Philly as well. I don't know if Atlanta's going to have an answer for DeMarco Murray. I think he has a big game on Monday night. Uh, and and last, uh, just seems to keep closing out with my guys. We've got Minnesota and San Francisco. You already know who I got, man. I took Tuesday off because this is a this is a 10-15 game. I'm going to be hyped up at 10-15, you know, high definition watching Monday night football game to start the season. I'm going to have, you know, jalapeno poppers at 1030 at night. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be crazy in this motherfucker. So uh, I'm going with my guys. And like I said, I took the day off afterwards, so I don't have to tone down too quick when this game's over. I could, uh, you know, celebrate our first win. I'm with you, J-Cat. I think the 49ers are going to come out, and they're going to want to prove a point. Nobody's root- writing anything good about us. Everybody's against nope. us. I'm with you. I'm taking the 49ers in this one. All right. All right. Yeah, so that's that's the whole wrap-up, man. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, it's been too long. We'll definitely do it again soon. I'll try to, you know, work something so we could do, you know, maybe an extra show on another day so it doesn't, uh, you know, blend with the den too much. But uh, Oh, trust me, they'll be thanks. fine. All right, all right. But, um, yeah, and we're going to, you know, try to do a couple little simulcasts during the season, too, where I'll, you know, kind of link them together for, for a minute to talk about football. No problem, man. I'm glad. I was glad to do it. And let's talk a little more soon, all right? Absolutely. Will do, man. Thanks for coming on. Have a good night. Absolutely, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. So there you go. That was my dude. Christian Simpson from the Daily Blitz, man. I'm super hyped for this fucking football season, and um, it, this this is what's going on. So now, look, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna take a break, and uh, I'm gonna come back and talk some motherfucking wrestling. <laughs> you better stop, boy. 
erase your rhyme Forget it don't waste your time, I waste it nine Never give you bozos love Omar from the wire, use a homo thug Use your head for more than a hat rack But I choose to use the lead to fuck up your hat rack Piece of that sack, backpack vibe You survived the Amtrak with the knapsack with crack inside Back to the rhyme, listen Paul rocking the place Not the deep boy dude with the cut on his face I love our law, but I act Christian Makes a lot that I'm back pitching Like I got the facts missing The wack condition, the rap you spitting Make me want to clap, but I can't go back to prison Black people unite Let's all get down for I slap people tonight With the long tray pound, you better You better stop, boy Yeah You better stop, boy You better stop, boy Yeah Hey yo, stop looking, listen We smoke pot, plus we cook crack in the kitchen The weed is green, the paper is brown The coke is white, you're a bitch and so is your wife Straight hell is what I give a brother Smack a cracker, call him too high, nigga lover You just mad, fucking true, won't fuck with you You like fucked up down, nah, Paul, fuck you I'm not the artist, I'm the president Give me the word, I set fire to your resident It's evident by the way that I act Way that I move Sean Price ain't the gimmick to act Nothing to prove Bounce, choose to lose, I choose to win One hand hit the rip, the other bruise the chin I remember when DJs would check for a record Now these niggas wanna check for a record Motherfuckers better, better stop Think about it Yeah you better stop, boy. down for life, uh-huh. Duck down for life, uh-huh. You better stop, duck down for life. Stupid nigga, duck down for life. Let's go. All right, I'm back. So, yo, man, first off, this weekend coming up, I have my fucking Super Spartan race, and uh, this is the third race of my trifecta. So, man, this is a big fucking race for me. Uh, I did the same exact race in the same exact place last September. But you need to do all three Spartan races within a calendar year in order to do the trifecta. Now, this year I started out with the Spartan Beast, which is the biggest of all the Spartan races on the same mountain I'm going to. So it's another three miles longer on the mountain than the one I'm doing on Saturday. Uh, did that one first. That was the first race I did this year. And then the, the second Spartan race I did this year was the Spartan Sprint, which is the shortest, but, man, that was on a way fucking tougher mountain. So that shit was – that felt just as hard as the fucking – the big shit, which is crazy. But uh, it did. It, it definitely banged me up. Um, so now we got we got this. Completing the trifecta on Saturday. Um, one thing I will say is, ah, man, my run training ain't shit leading into this race. I went over a month without running at all. Um, fucking at all. Like, not at all. Um, I, my gym training has been fucking top notch. Physically, I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. Um, I'm bigger, stronger, I gained about 10 pounds, uh, you know, within the last month, um, you know, all muscle and all that. But 
the thing is, is, you know, with this new routine, I just couldn't fit in running. I did. I mean, I guess I could have, I didn't push myself to, to fit in running. Um, on training days, I fucking put everything I had into it. So on those days, I didn't want to run cause I felt like I'm fucking good on, uh, on my rest days. My fucking legs were so sore, I felt like I was going to fuck something up if I did run. So, excuses, excuses, call them what they want, but um, none of them were shit when it comes down to it because my run training is not up to fucking par. Uh, last night, I ran the longest run I've ran in fucking well over a month, and that was five miles. Uh, last week, I ran a mile, and that's it. That's all I fucking run, and I got ten miles on the fucking mountain Saturday. So, like I said... My my legs, my upper body, all that shit is in better shape than it was last race I put out. But my run training has has definitely fell off, you know, due to you know me me turning it up on the you know gym training. So there's pluses and minuses to it, but you know, and it's not a it's definitely not a um, you know, a complete negative, and it's definitely not a complete positive. So, ups and downs to it. But, you know, I'll go at it, as always, on Saturday, and uh, it's going to be what it's going to be. I expect big things out of myself. So, uh, it, it's going down, man. Um, I'm going to go conquer that shit um, and then be able to fucking come home, lounge on Sunday, watch some fucking NFL Red Zone, and and just fucking chill out. Um, um so, yeah, uh, I'm really excited about that. I got my fantasy football team all lined up. Got to be watching all them motherfuckers. I got my um, my picks pool where I pick with the point spreads. I didn't do the point spreads with Christian because I knew he had to run over to the uh, to the sports den, you know, talk to those dudes. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't want to draw it out any longer. And uh, But, you know, I'll be doing the whole point thing. So, um, yeah, man. Very excited for this upcoming weekend. Like I said, Monday night I got my my Niners and shit. Uh, Saturday night is the the Dancing with the Stars uh, annual event. And um, I'll go over that card a little bit uh, in a little while. I I don't want to jump on that before the uh, the, the Nick Gage Invitational. Um, Before I get into that, actually, I just want to bring one more fucking thing up that I've been consistently saying this shit, but I I, I want to make sure that I, I fucking drive this home once again. Matter of fact, let me let me pull out that fucking music. Let, let me let me because I haven't you know I'd be slipping on this and um yeah let me let me oh you motherfuckers <laughs> okay all right. I'm putting cases on all you bitches. I don't like your jerk-off name. I don't like your jerk-off face. I don't like your jerk-off behavior. And I don't like you, jerk-off. Motherfuck Caitlyn Jenner, all right? Jerk-off of the week, jerk-off of the month, jerk-off of the fucking year. This motherfucker came out, came out on some, oh, I'm I'm a woman type shit, right? Well, then turns around and goes, well, maybe I'm not going to chop the dick off. I'm just going to, you know, hey. I'm going to just let it ride with this. I'll just wear some different shit, right? Well, right before I do that, I'm going to kill a bitch in my car, so I'm going to do that shit. Then I'm going to get an award for how much of a hero I am. I'm going to hear a bunch of bullshit about 
how Haley fucking Jenner is, is the fucking hero, is the fucking billboard, is the motherfucking the, the mantelpiece for all LGBT teams and everything, and everybody who was having problems with coming out, this is the example, this is the one that set the fucking example for the world, and everybody should really look up to the courage, and, and you know, oh my god, she's so brave, and this and that, so, hold on, fuck you, all right, come on. you fucking fuck, start him off, you got a gun, fucking shoot him in the face, so then the motherfucker continues with this bullshit, right? Oh, oh, it turns out Bruce ain't chopping his dick off. Nope. Bruce is just going to ride out with the fucking chick gear on. And here's this. Bruce going to keep fucking, he's going to keep fucking chicks. He's not into dudes. Not into dudes. <laughs> no. So he's becoming a woman. So he can keep piping bitches. So. He's going to do that. First off, he's not going to get any fucking vocal coaching. So he's just still going to sound like a weird fucking dude. So he wants to be a woman so bad that he won't even go through fucking this multi, multi fucking millionaire jerk off. Doesn't even go through fucking vocal coaching to sound like a woman. He still sounds like a retarded motherfucking Sesame Street character. That's a dude. And, and, he, and just walking around dressing like a chick. And that shit quadrupled his fucking earnings just by doing just that shit alone, okay? So let's go back to this motherfucker being a hero that killed a bitch with his car, all right? Hero. Oh, shit. He was on. Now, now don't get me fucked up because I heard the shit on the Howard Stern show. So, and apparently, this motherfucker is not pro gay marriage at all. Publican. And said on some shit like, you know, I used to be dead set against that gay marriage shit, but, uh, you know, I mean, I guess they're, I guess this is what's, what's got to happen now. Like, he goes some shit like, I guess I'll have to settle for it if they're going to make it legal. What the fuck am I supposed to do? Like, he's not cool with it. Not cool with it at all. So, this is a transgender dude who's still fucking chicks, but identifies as a chick. So, in turn, if he's a chick and the chick's a chick, that would be lesbian and he's not for gay marriage. What kind of shit are we talking about? First off, you're a fucking dude. You got a dick, you're a dude. That's how shit works. That's how reality fucking works. If you get the surgery to be a chick, then I guess, you, I guess you're a chick. You know what I mean? Call it what it is. But not, not beforehand. You don't get to just like, okay, I'm, I'm a chick now. But I still got a dick. That that's not like if if fucking Caitlyn Jenner showed up at your house and and uh, say okay, say you were in fucking Walmart or some shit, right? And there was a dude who was dressed like a woman, but running around with his dick out. Would somebody say there's a man or a woman running around with his dick out, or would they say there's some fucking dude with his dick out? In aisle four, they wouldn't say there's a man or it might be a woman with dick out in aisle four. It would be a pretty clear we have a male dressed like a woman with his dick out. That's how they would call the police. That's what they would say. They wouldn't say uh, we're unsure of the gender, but fucking dick is out. And no, no, it's a fucking dude. But anyway, beyond that, like I said fucking hero for the LGBT. He's not even pro-gay marriage. So get that shit off the fucking table. Let's stop fucking 
making this guy a hero. I understand. Look, I get it. Everybody on the fucking Facebook, everybody want to change all the rainbow pictures and shit. They want to, you know, be, you know, supportive of, of um, a group and stuff. And I, that that's fine. I got no problem with, you know, gay marriage or any of that type of stuff. I'm all for that. But if you want to hitch your fucking wagon to something to try to tell everybody what's right and try to, you know, say, hey, look, I, I'm pro this, I'm pro this, good. But your mascot ain't fucking Caitlyn. Bruce ain't your fucking mascot. Bruce wanted motherfucking popularity motherfuckers sitting on the couch with a bunch of medals with these whores running around, and they're more popular than them. He's like, fuck this shit. I got to do some old wild shit in order for them to look at me. So what the fuck you do? Dress like a broad, run around on TV. That's what he's doing. That's exactly what he's fucking doing, because he's still banging chicks. He still don't fucking want gay people to get married. He's not not with it. He's not with what y'all talking about. You know, oh, he's so brave. Brave my dick. Fuck that guy. Fuck. Bruce, fuck that motherfucker, all right? So, Nick Gage Invitational. Um, huh. Shit, I show up. Thing I hear. <laughs> uh, you, you're not going to believe this. Nick Gage isn't here. Not coming. Uh, probation violation. Locked up. Oh, shit. My first response was a laugh because I'm sorry, man. I wish the dude the best, and it's not like I want some fucked up shit to happen to him whatsoever. But if you have the, the show called the Nick Gage Invitational that I've, you know, I've repeatedly and continually said that it sounds corny as shit to have a tournament named after a guy that's in the fucking tournament. I thought that was fucking crazy. So to follow that with that guy isn't here. It, it's like a Seinfeld episode. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, the Nick Gage Invitational. And, you know, even throughout the night, they said, like, the Nick Gage Invitational, where you can see anything. And I'm sitting there going, except for Nick Gage or shit. Uh, you know. So it, it was just like the ultimate irony to have Nick Gage not at the Nick Gage Invitational. So, you know, nothing funny about, you know, his life, you know, uh, taking a turn for the worse. But just the irony of Nick Age is not at the Nick Age Invitational. So I'm like, oh, fuck. All right, man. What the fuck? So so uh, what they do, they get the uh, the show started late, like 45 minutes late. And, um, you know, they finally get everybody out there to bring everybody out to the ring. Um, I'd say probably 75% of the fans didn't know. I, I heard it like I, I heard it in you know in confidence from somebody and I didn't tell anybody else but then like another ten people told me without me saying anything to anybody. You know what I mean? So word did get around a little bit, but you know so probably about seventy five percent of the fans I think didn't know that Nick Gage wasn't there. Uh, and there was people that came from all over the fucking place. Uh, but one dude came 16 fucking hours from Arkansas. Uh, Yuki came from Japan. Um, you know, I, I mean, there there's people came from all over the motherfucking place. So, so anyway, uh, so the first thing they do, and I, and I definitely got to criticize for this shit, because, uh, look, man, uh, I had talked about it before. 
the press release that they put out for Matt Tremont being in this fucking tournament was bullshit. Absolute bullshit. They pretty much buried him as well as putting him in the tournament. You know, worked worked through this little gimmick bullshit, pretended like it was Nick Gage, but it you know, it's fucking Lauderdale run on the fucking site. So they put out this fucking press release that we didn't want to put him in. You know, Nick didn't want to put this guy in because he might have won other tournaments, but he hasn't won shit if he hasn't wrestled in the Nick Gage Invitational. So fucking, because the fans want it, I guess we'll put this guy in, and here's fucking Matt Tremont. Like, they they typed it up like shit. They made him look like he's he's accomplished a bunch of things, but we don't give a shit about any of that. You know, everybody else in the tournament, they listed their accolades and tried to big him up as if they were, you know, uh, you know, they tried to make him look like a big attraction. Matt Tremont, they're like, yeah, he accomplished a bunch of shit, but it ain't this shit. You know, like, they didn't say it in a positive way. They they didn't. And I know a lot of people who, who didn't take extremely kindly to it. You know what I mean? I, I fucking promise you that, that there's people who, you know, closer to the business, didn't really like the way this shit was worded. But it is what it is, right? Okay. Nick's not there. Oh, who do we get to fucking bail our shit out on the fucking mic? Is it fucking Brett Lauderdale? No. Is it fucking Danny D'Amato? No. Oh, it's fucking Matt Tremont. Because he's the best fucking guy to work the fucking mic pause um, in that fucking locker room. They get fucking Matt Tremont, the guy who they know they had the mic to. He's going to fucking come out, and he's going to... He's going to fucking talk, and the fans are going to get what he's saying, and the fans aren't going to shit on it. You know what I mean? And they're going to stay with the show because it's being delivered by someone who works this shit. So so I just want to point that out, that, you know, this is a guy that you weren't too fucking polite in the advertisement for the guy being on the show, but when you needed him, who was the fucking best guy to go to? Matt fucking Tremont. So so just just to put that out there. So the fans handled it well. You know, um, and Low Life Louie was there to be a special guest referee. He ended up subbing in. So, you know, good on him, man, because he, you know, he's retired from this shit already. He had fucking, uh, I'm pretty sure he had some problems from, uh, you know, uh, you know, like head trauma and shit from uh, the chair shots and all the things he's taken over the years. So, you know, big, big shout out to Low Life Louie for, uh, you know, coming through in the clutch and, uh, you know, filling in. So first round, um, he goes up against Nate Hatred. Nate Hatred, you know, I haven't seen wrestle for quite quite some years, man. And, uh, you know, Nate came out to make quick work of Louie, pretty much a squash, squash match. Uh, and, you know, and that was that. Wasn't a lot to it. Pretty quick, clear cut, you know, that, that was that. Uh, next matchup was uh, Jeff Cannonball versus Kyle the Beast. Um, this this was pretty good. Um, you know, I've never seen the Beast in the death match before. Um, I like his whole his whole look and gimmick and shit. I think he's a really good worker. Um, I like this dude. Um, Cannonball's a tough dude. He could take a bunch of shit and. Um, you know, he, he's about it. As far as the uh, deathmatch shit goes, he, he's really, uh, he's trying to do that shit for sure. 
Um, so yeah, man, they they fucked each other up and everything. Um, they tried to do some some silly fucking some kind of shit on the apron over there. I just don't think it was well worked. I, I forget what it was, some kind of suplex or some kind of shit. But Cannonball's a big fucking dude, so it just it didn't come off right at all. And um, but it was what it was. Like I said, it was a fine match for for what it was supposed to be. Um, next up, Danny Havoc beat Matt Tremont. Now, Matt Tremont came out here, and not only was he given, you know, a really fucking bad lead-in um, to the show, he had to show up, he had to give the bad news to the crowd, and he wrestled the fucking show with a torn bicep with surgery coming this week, and he's got fucking glass lodged in his fucking arm, too, that they found, you know, while, I guess, x-raying or whatever. So all of that shit going in. So Tremont and Havoc went on, put on pretty fucking good match, especially for Tremont, you know, being all fucked up to begin with. Came out there and fucking gave the fans what they wanted, and um, Havoc went over. Now, here's the fucking, here, here's the fucking match right here, man. Masada versus Corporal Robinson. This crazy motherfucking match right here, man. This... They had these these panes of glass that were like half panes. They were like the panes of glass, but they were kind of sawed in half, which to me was a really good idea because um, although the tall panes are real real cool and shit, there probably would have been you know three panes of glass, and instead there was you know like five or six. So if they could find a way to cut some of those shits, maybe you know have one large pane of glass in a match, and then, you know, four of the the half ones. That way you could do that many more spots in a match with panes of glass without spending tons of money on your uh, your glass. Again, I don't know that they cut these glass or whatever the case was, but anyway, it just worked out well because I never saw panes of glass that were small like that. Um, they taped some, like, on an angle to the bottom rope. Uh, they used some that were propped between cinder blocks. And um, they just, they went fucking crazy in this match. Uh, the the main fucking spot that, that is highlighted in many pictures and videos. And, and hold on on that. Let me just tell you this. Like, every fucking event I've ever been to, they have announced, you will not allow video recording. You can take all the pictures you want, da-da-da, no video recording. In retrospect, I remember that they did not announce that. Of course, I mean, I always just take things as to be expected. I, I just take things as like, uh, you know, I, I just expect that to be what it is. So if if something is always like, you know, hey, man, don't film, I just never fucking film. I mean, the, you know, I've been going to wrestling for a long fucking time now, and I've never video recorded a, a spot a match, uh, anything, fucking anything. Um, but this shit was fucking rampant at this show, rampant. You can see every, almost every fucking pin on this show on Facebook from like five different angles because everybody was fucking recording. And it's like, it's crazy because like it gets to the point now too where like the workers are sharing this shit. These guys are sharing the fucking crowd footage clips that these fucking dudes were taking and shit. It's crazy as hell. That can't not hurt DVD sales. So, 
I go out and get this fucking DVD or video on demand, whatever the fuck. But it just seems crazy to me that the attention to detail did not fucking pull out. Like, hey man, why are these fucking people filming? Like, does anybody want to stand up and go, hey man, can, can you stop fucking filming? Something. I mean, it, it's fucking crazy. I've never seen anything like that. But uh, anyway, uh, so everybody's fucking filming, and the spot that you can go watch on Facebook is um, one of those little panes of glass prop between two cinder block corp or what must have been like fucking half of a, a thing of lighter fluid on there, lit the shit on fucking fire, and they, they do like their counter spots, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, I'm going to put you through counter, now I'm going to put you through counter, you know, that type of shit. So it it let this fucking lighter fluid really build up some fucking steam and start burning and shit. And, man, he, he fucking side-slammed fucking Masada through it. And this shit just, like, fiery, exploding fucking glass all over the place. Not only that, Masada was on fucking fire. I mean, to the fullest extent. This fucking dude was burning. He fucking rolled. Corp went to pin him. Fucking one, two, kick out. Dude is still burning. I mean, this dude fucking burned for probably 10, 15 seconds. Eventually, they got the bucket in there. Fucking doused him out and shit. But, man, he he burnt the fuck up. Uh, You know, they did another fire spot after that. Um, They did a ton of shit in this match. This match must be seen. This This was just an incredible match. Crazy, crazy match. Big shout out to both of these fucking guys. They just fucking killed it out there. Um, so there's that. Uh, then you had the um, the uh, non-tournament match, which was Joey Janela, Drew Blood, Joe Gacy, and um, motherfucking um, Arcadia. That's right. Uh, and, you know, they went in, and they did a lot of shit, man. They pulled out of, like, a remaining pane of glass that was left over, used that shit. They did a bunch of hardcore spots in this match. Joey jumped off the fucking truck like he likes to do, man. Elbow dropped, uh, drew blood through the fucking table um, off the truck. I mean, yeah, this match brought it. You know, for a non-tournament match on the Deathmatch show, man, they didn't they didn't give you too much of a different brand of uh, wrestling, man. They, they, they went at it. And uh, all four of these guys are great. And I always like these guys, uh, and, uh, like I said, Joey Janela, he's the shit, man. Even after the match, she put over all the, all the deceased wrestlers, you know, said that this is not just for Nick Gage, this, this is for fucking, you know, J.C. Bailey, brain damage. He, he put everybody over, fucking Chris Cash, fucking, uh, and Trent Asses, man, so, Big, big fucking respect to Joey for doing that shit. That that was off the chain. You know, it didn't even need to be done, but, uh, you know, it, it's very respectful when, when cats do that type of thing. And, um, yeah, that's what's up. So um, then you had, uh, you know, coming off of that, you had um, Danny Havoc beating uh, Cannonball. Uh, Cannonball, it was surprising that they did this. They, uh, had Cannonball out there with his partner all, all show. Cannonball being the home, you know, the home fed guy, I didn't expect him to play him heel, but they did where, you know, his tag team partner would get involved and they started just fucking Danny up. And, uh, out comes the wife beater, Max Mack and Jesse Drive. And, uh, you know, they saved the day fucking wife beater with the fucking weed whacker, the Cannonball. 
you know, big pop for white beaters. Great seeing that dude. Um, and, you know, Max Mac and everybody like that, that was really, you know, a great moment to see these dudes, you know, back, even if it was just for one night. And, um, I, I definitely wish we could see that dude more often. Cause he, you know, he's such a staple to, to deathmatch wrestling. And, you know, if you're going to that, that throwback CZW crowd, the wife beater is a motherfucking legend. And it, to me, it's such a shame. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day about this and, you know, it's, it's almost like these guys, you know, they did everything they did. They bled fucking buckets for everybody. It's the old school CZW guys, the, uh, you know, the, the wife beater, John Zandig, Lobo, fucking, uh, Rick Blade, fucking, um, you know, Nick Mondo to a certain extent. They all just kind of did their thing and then just kind of disappeared because I, I don't know if it was that maybe it didn't accomplish what they wanted it to accomplish or the fact that there was a new wave coming in. I, I don't know if it if it hurt or exactly what it was that, like, something that they were so passionate about pretty much died off and just became something else. I, I don't really know what it was. I can't really pinpoint it without talking to these guys specifically. But, um, you know, I did talk to Mondo, and that's why I say to a certain extent to Mondo, because Mondo is now, you know, very connected with the fans and everything else. But uh, even he said, you know, he just, he does, he was burnt out, and that was it. And he just fucking disappeared and did his own thing. And it was years later that he finally came back and, you know, connected with the fans. And he was so happy that everyone was still so, so into what he did. But, you know, guys like the wife beater, like without even wrestling anymore, to even be like connected with the fans. Like I would love to have the wife beater on the show. John Zandig, fucking Lobo. Um, Zandig speaks for itself, but Lobo, man, that fucking guy, the amount of punishment, that was like the fucking CZW Mick Foley. Like, you could take that dude and throw him off of any fucking thing. That dude would grab a dude twice his size and fucking jump off, you know, scaffolding and everything else, DVD and motherfuckers off the top of cages and crazy, crazy shit, man. That dude took crazy abuse. Rick Blade. Rick Blade would just dive off of fucking 25-foot walls and shit. Swanton off a 25-foot wall. Shattered his leg in three places. You know, like, the amount of shit that these guys were willing to do for the company, it was CCW, and then when it, when that era ended, it just fucking faded away like they don't even exist. Shit is crazy as fuck, man, and, uh, I would just like to see some presence of these guys. They don't have to be fucking, you know, uh, on the card for the fucking show over the weekend, but you would like to just see these fucking guys make an appearance every once in a while, for Christ's sakes, because, you know, you might get your WWE superstars that do little autograph signings here and there. You might get these guys that do these type of appearances and shit like that and cost all sorts of fucking money, but every once in a while, maybe at a wrestling convention, or some shit like this, get these fucking guys to just fucking come out. I mean, it, you know, it, it's really up to the people who run the conventions and shit like that to make this shit happen, but get these fucking guys, because cause to some people, these guys are the biggest fucking superstars there are. The John Zandigs, the Wife Beaters, the Lobos. 
Yeah, to people who were die-hard fucking CZW fans over the years, these are the fucking guys you want to see more than anybody else. So it was nice to see White Beater, like I said. It's just a shame that you don't get to see these guys more, even just on an appearance-type basis. So anyway, um, back to the show. Um, Masada beat Nate Hatred in a fucking bloodbath. I mean, these guys fucked each other up. And this is a match that, Come on, man. Everybody knows this match would not have happened. This match absolutely would not have happened. There's no way Nick Gage was losing first round to Nate Hatred. Nate Hatred was lined up to, to wrestle Nicky first round. There's no fucking way that they were putting Nate over first round. So Nate Hatred would have never got the chance to wrestle Masada. And he did get the chance. And, man, they bled fucking buckets. This was a crazy-ass match. They brawled all over the place. I love this match. And um, this is another one of those, man. And, you know, not a knock on anybody else in this tournament because especially Masada's opponents. But everybody did their thing in this. But Masada did his motherfucking thing in this tournament, man. Every match you see Masada in are the reasons you need to buy this DVD. And, again, not a knock on anybody because, you know, Corp, in that Masada match, made that fucking Masada match, you know, everything it was, goes two together. And Nate Hatred being who he is and what he was and, you know, what he brought to the table in that Masada match made that shit what it was. Um, but you you got to see these fucking matches, man, and it shit was great. Uh, and the finals came down to Masada beating Danny Havoc, you know, again, two of the absolute best deathmatch wrestlers in the fucking world. And, uh, you know, tearing it up in the fucking finals. No real barbed wire and all that. Great fucking match again. Um, one of the coolest visuals I, I have ever seen. And um, um, some of my favorite pictures I got after the, after the match was Danny Havoc's body temperature must have been just high as fuck through that match. And um, the I guess the temperature was dropping a little. It got a little cool or whatever. And uh, the steam coming off that dude after the match, the shit looked amazing. Fucking amazing. I just kept trying to snap pictures and shit. And, uh, you know, Chris Grasso, great photographer, he got a couple of those. And uh, I just, I love those fucking pictures, man. They, they look fucking crazy. So um, check out, you know, check out my pics on the, on the Facebook or whatever. And uh, Chris Grasso for sure, too. Uh, Lyle's got pictures up. You know, check everybody out doing their thing on the on the picture side of things. But, uh, man, when this, this show comes out on uh, Video On Demand or uh, a DVD, get that shit. For real. You're a Deathmatch Wrestling fan. Don't sleep on this show because it's not Tournament of Death, not King of the Death, not any of that. I will take this, man, this, this show, I will take this over Tournament of Death this year. Absolutely. Take it over fucking Carnage Cup for mostly any year. Carnage Cup wasn't shit. And, um... And uh, Masters of Pain wasn't shit neither. The finals was great between uh, Gage and, and Mathis. But as far as the total tournament, nah, I go with best deathmatch wrestling tournament that I've seen this year. King of the Deathmatch. And uh, followed by the Nick Gage Invitational. So definitely check that shit out. Um, another thing that came off this show was uh, Danny DeMano got on the mic, started a whole fuck DJ Hyde thing. He, see, he proclaimed that DJ Hyde was trying to get this show shut down. And, uh, you know, I fuck you, DJ, this whole thing. And I'm all for fuck you, DJ. That's that's uh, 
I'm a big fan of that. Um, but if the reasons we're talking about don't really hold much weight, and DJ holds some fucking weight, but um, then I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of that type of thing. So the thing is, is here's what Danny said. Because I even hit him up after the show and said, "Dude, is there any more you could tell me about this? Uh, you know, DJ trying to get the show shut down thing? Because I will absolutely put it on blast on the show." And uh, he said, "Oh, you know, thank you. Da da da. We'll talk more tomorrow." Which, uh, you know, okay, whatever, sure. Um, then he put out a statement on Facebook the next day. You know, more or less saying the same thing. Fuck you, DJ High, blah, 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 blah. Trying to get the show shut down. Uh, and he said, um, DJ even went as far. And when you say, hey, you even went as far to whatever you say next, that's like the furthest extent of, what someone did to you, right? So he says, he even went as far as to tell wrestlers who were in the tournament and fans that the tournament wasn't going to happen. Okay. So what the fuck does that mean? Because I said the same kind of shit. I had fucking front row tickets and shit, and I still had my fucking doubts because guess what? When the tournament was over and everybody, you know, uh, they, they got on some shit like, hey, pretend this didn't happen and stuff like that. You motherfuckers did this shit on the sly. And that's fine. I don't have a fucking problem with it because I love the show. But to turn around and say that someone said, ah, man, that shit ain't going to happen. Now all of a sudden they were like completely hating on your shit and trying to get it shut down. I think that's a bridge too far, man. I think I think that's a way over fucking critical about somebody's involvement and trying to get it shut down just because they go, listen, DJ runs a fucking company out of New Jersey that does death matches. He's gone through all sorts of channels, and he's he's trying to do deathmatch this and deathmatch that. He's never had the ability to just run a deathmatch tournament in Jersey. I mean, why wouldn't he think that, man, that's unlikely? So I don't know if I'd go as far to say, like, that motherfucker, because he told wrestlers it's not going to happen. Like, no, because nobody would think it's going to happen in fucking Jersey. Everybody was fucking skeptical. Not because we hated this shit and wanted to shut down, because there's no deathmatch tournaments in New Jersey. That's why. So, there's that. And then he said, and he, he placed phone calls to tax people. Okay, first off, how the fuck would you know who placed it? Like, if, if someone called and routed you out to somebody, that person that you get on the phone with isn't going to be like, uh, David Markland called me and told me this. They're going to say, somebody called me, or anonymous something called me. Very, very fucking rare occasion you're going to get the name of the person who dropped the dime on you out of the person who, who caught that dime. And I mean, like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Unless you're in the fucking room with the guy making the phone call, or unless fucking somebody was in the room with the guy making the phone call, you don't know who the fuck called anything. You have no idea. You're just making a guess because that's what you want it to be. You want to be mad at somebody, and it creates a buzz. It creates even more buzz for you to say, that fucking guy, you know that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. So now all of a sudden everybody's buying you and, and their shit on that. So me personally, I don't fucking believe it. I don't fucking believe it. And uh, maybe it even came on my uh, on my post about it saying, like, hey, is there any truth to this? He said, no, absolutely not. 
you know, DJ wanted this shit to succeed because, first off, he wanted Nicky be able to cross something off his bucket list and running a tournament in Jersey. Number two, because, um, you know, that helps CCW. If they're able to get away with it, maybe CCW is able to get away with it. You know, there, there, there's some uh, there's some things that, that helps. So so there's that. So I, I just really don't buy it. I don't buy it. And not only that, Danny DeMano got on the fucking mic when he was doing all that fuck you DJ shit. Part of what he also said was, fuck me, DJ. Let's make a fucking angle out of this. Fucking pay me. I'll beat the fucking shit out of you. So on one side, he's trying to fucking shut your shit down and take money away from you on the other side of things you'd be willing to work an angle over it and when i mentioned that the next day to dan he's like no there's no amount of money that would ever make me do that i would ever do that like dude yeah but you said it on the mic to the fucking crowd you said it into the fucking camera for the dvd pay me i'll fucking beat the shit out yeah i mean so that shit makes it sound illegitimate as shit because why why the fuck would you be willing to take a payday off of a guy who tried to take your fucking pay? You know what I mean? It doesn't really add up to me. And, uh, you know, with a guy like fucking Brett Lauderdale involved with that shit, he's a little dirtbag, and he fucking hates DJ, and there's a big animosity there. So when it comes down to it, if all signs point back to DJ off of hearsay and Lauderdale's involved, I don't believe a fucking thing about it. So, So it is what it is there. I, I don't believe it. Like I said, I, I don't believe it for one second. Um, so, yeah, so, so there's that. Um, definitely check that fucking show out. You got to get it. Um, speaking of the uh, the Zandig shirts, uh, Zandig, uh, I wasn't really speaking of that, but anyway, worst like whatever. Uh, Zandig shirts, man. Get your motherfucking uh, I'm a John Zandig guy shirts off of me, man. Hit me up these motherfuckers i got larges and extra larges and um i gotta i gotta sell out of these man some people want bigger sizes but i gotta get these out first and then we can talk about the bigger fucking sizes but i ain't ordering shit extra without getting these these ones sold because it's crazy i haven't even got enough sold to to pay for what i got you know what i mean so profit ain't even fucking an option right now we're just talking about you know Get, getting these joints sold. So anyway, I got a lot of people, I want one, I need one, oh, I need one of those shirts, I want one of those shirts, both workers and fucking fans and all this shit, all saying the same shit. I want one, I want one, I want one, but motherfucker, there's a real easy way to get one when you hand me the fucking $20 and I hand you a fucking shirt. So it, it, it's not like you've got to, you know, train and fucking climb a mountain to get one. You just, it's like the easiest transaction in the world. There's a handful of people that wanted one, and they got one. The other people were just talking. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. Like I said, I'm not a pushy motherfucker, man. I'm not going to be running up and down the street. Do you want one? Do you want one? Everybody knows where I'm at. Everybody knows who I am. You want one? Come on, man. These fucking shirts are dope, and uh, I would definitely like to sell these shirts. But, um, you know, if I got to sit on them for a while in order to sell them, so be it. I absolutely know that I'll sell out of them. It's just a matter of motherfuckers recognizing that these shits are uh, off the chain. And, uh, you know, supports the fucking best possible era of CZW by word of mouth. Supports it by, you know, letting motherfuckers know what that shit was all about. And then, hey, man, maybe some fucking people, because I'm not working with CZW 
by any stretch of the imagination. Cert doesn't say anything about CZW on it, so I don't want to hear no bullshit from that. But, hey, man, maybe they see the Zandig guy shit. They go, hey, man, I want to see a little bit more about the Zandig guy shit. Somebody else says, oh, how the fuck all these Zandig guys? What the fuck was so good? And all of a sudden, they're on that CZW fucking uh, network shit. And they're copping that, and and maybe they're looking back at some of that CZW shit because they want to see what this fucking Zanday guy shit is all about. So who knows? But I guess we'll see. I don't give a fuck whether it works for that or not. That's uh, just just a possibility. Um, Connor was signed to the WWE, so that that's going to be big shit right there. I'm looking forward to seeing what she does in the company. Um, she's she's fucking awesome. Um, what else? Uh, Devin Moore will be back on the show either next week or the week after. Uh, definitely in the next coming weeks. Um, let me see. I'm going to try to pull up the uh, actually let me uh, take a quick break and then I'll pull up the CZW card and, and uh, run that down real quick. Bring beef with your niggas shit shaving bayfad Brave backs committed, spray cats and midgets Shorty shit stained, felt the 45th bang Heat up your fam, you see the heat in my hand My pistol turned the punk in the beat in the pan Pay. never seven my past partner I'm a vet sending threats to draft dodgers Be your pen to make your rap Pity the fool that's rapping after making that fact Peace in town Dub Boys of 
Nate Carter and Dave McCall. Then you also have um, uh, Team TV Ready of G's and Pepper Parks versus Niles Young and fucking Tremont. But like I said, Tremont's supposed to be getting surgery on his fucking bicep this week. So I don't know. I mean, he's a crazy motherfucker. So maybe he's going to go and work that shit. But like, you know, I. I mean, maybe they work the whole isolating hot tag shit so he doesn't do much. I, I don't know, but that shit sounds crazy anyway. Um, and nobody gives a fuck about that match. So, just like every one of these fucking matches, to be honest with you, like I don't, I don't see a motherfucking thing in those tag matches that I give a shit about. Um, the Amazing Gulaks versus um, Biff Busick and Nick. Oh no, that ain't happening. You got. Uh, Amazing Gulaks versus Biff Music and a mystery partner because he was Gage's mystery partner, but now the Gage is not going to be there. The mystery partner needs a mystery partner, and then, and then, then there you go. Um, you got the uh, rematch of classic CZW intergender match of Greg Excellent versus Mia Yim. That's bound to be good. Um, Leo Rush who I don't know who the fuck that is, up against Joey Janela. And then, um, what else you got? Oh, Team Tremendous versus uh, Tabernacle the team. I don't know what the fuck that is, neither. Um, I've kind of heard good things about them. Like, a lot of people were excited by that shit, but I don't know what that is. So, I'll take Google's word for it. Maybe that's going to be really good. Um, and then... The main event, which is going to be fucking crazy, of course, is uh, uh, Cornball Mike Bailey versus A.R. Fox, Mr. N1. Uh, A.R. Fox, these these dudes are going to tear it the fuck up in this match, um, ladder match. I mean, shit is crazy. Shit is off the fucking shit. I mean, they're, they're going to tear it up. I, I'm not really sure whether I'm getting this show or not. Um, I don't know. I, I, I may watch it before next week, so I'll have something to talk about, but I can't imagine that I'm actually going to get this shit Saturday night. I'm doing my fucking race on um, Saturday during the day, so I'm going to be fucking lounging. Maybe I'll get this because I ain't doing shit else, but I'm still really on the fence about this because most of this card, I don't give a motherfuck about. Uh, I just... Shit is crazy. I don't know what the fuck I don't know who, well, I know who, I don't know what DJ's fucking mindset is making him think that, that, that this is, this is a good idea putting this many fucking tag matches on a show. I mean, that's like six fucking tag matches. I, I, I really don't. I don't understand. I just, I just don't understand. Somebody, somebody's gonna have to explain to me at some point. We're putting six tag matches on the motherfucking show. It is a good thing. Um, I just, I, I don't get it. Any, any ideas? I know I, I do a solo show and I'm looking for answers, but. Could, could anybody give me a 
I don't know. I mean, Greg Valentine, he had thoughts on on this many tag matches, and I mean, all he had to say was it's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, so you know, you know, if that's what he was saying, that you know, but check out the sports then. That shit's on probably right now still. Um, check out everything Andrew Carluck is doing over there at Stern Nation, and um, I think that's about all I got. I mean, definitely. In case you didn't hear earlier, Kanye West has learned how to communicate with sheep. Check it out. Bro. 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 See what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, man. Shit is breaking news. Everybody's got to be aware of that shit, you know, that he is fully, fully capable of communicating with sheep. So, um, I, I, yeah, I think that's all I got. You know what I mean? I covered uh, pretty much everything there that that uh, that I was uh, thinking of. So, everybody enjoy this fucking weekend of football. It is week one NFL football. You got Dancing with the Stars on Saturday night. Um, like I said, when that Nick Gage DVD comes out, Go cop that shit. I don't know how long Gage is going to be away for. That's all speculation. I'm not even going to get into that because I don't know shit. All right? I'll catch you motherfuckers next week. Peace. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. All right. Me, I don't have that part. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no food. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.